What was your first car? I said, that's simple. It was a 67 Volkswagen bug. And then he goes, what's a bug? <laughs> Didn't know what a bug was. Then he goes, what do I have under the hood? Set a tire. <laughs> they knew how to make them, didn't they? That spare engine in the trunk in case the tire malfunctioned. Ron and Anian. The fact is, we don't really talk about, for all the things that we talk about changing oil in this country, we don't talk about the difference between conventional and synthetic and, and where or when or why you might not use it. Three years ago, I bought a Beetle, not even thinking. That's not the joke. Shut up. The car doctor. The steering lock mechanism, from what I recall, is in the top part of the column. Right. It's all done up there. Now, it's possible that something's not broken. It's possible that this is usually solenoid-driven, and the solenoid is just not being actuated. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Start your engines if you can. Ron and Andy and the car doctor here at the helm. 855-560-9900 phone number. Come on in and let's uh, let's sit down and talk about your automobile. Yeah, the Volkswagen's gone, folks. Wow, look at that, huh? How long did it take? Well, the Beetle, I should say. They've stopped production of the Beetle. And uh, I, I can tell you, <laughs> not going to miss it. It just, you know, back 30 years ago, 40 years ago, good solid car in the last 20 years. Uh, the car would just go downhill after the sixty to eighty thousand mile mark. You would have to throw parts at it so much you needed a you needed a tractor trailer to keep up with it. Yes, Tom Ray. I was going to say uh, we're going to have to find another car for you to hate because you know. Well, you know, there's still VWs out there, but it's in- <laughs> okay. it's in- it's interesting to note that they stopped making the bug because they thought it wasn't worthwhile. VW virtually worthless i guess i was right there you go um i just well and i thought you know i could have a lot of fun with this and i could pick on the company and i get it i think the car has seen its day i think it just outlived its 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 platform but a lot of the problems with the volkswagen to me really stemmed from simple things parts distribution parts availability i don't have a decent volkswagen dealer i'm in north jersey i don't have a decent volkswagen dealer to purchase parts from Either they're always in a state of flummox when I call, and I don't call often because we don't see a lot of VWs because the dealer's done a real good job of keeping that car back at the, at, at, the, at the dealer level. People tend to flock to the dealer or a VW specialist. I get that. I'm not looking for any to work on. Don't misunderstand me. But it seems like even when you call, even when you have one to work on and you call, it's, there's no clear-cut listing. The last time I had a conversation, and my guys try, the guys at the dealer that I work with, but even said we were looking up we were looking up cooling system hoses for the back of, I forget what it was, a, 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 I think it was a bug. And um, 
He said, yeah, he says, there's no real way to match it up. We just take the hose, we order three or four different part numbers, and we match it up to the one that we think it is, and that's usually what it turns out to be. But we have to order three or four parts, send back the excess, or put it on the shelf. I mean, what, what kind of way is this to run a company? You can't look up simple things like hoses. You can't look up simple parts. So parts distribution killed them. They also made it too much... They were anti-independent mechanic. They were, we're going to keep all the information within ourselves, and I really believe that they wanted to, obviously, a lot of the car companies do, they want to lock out the small shop. They want to lock out the independent shop, and they're not sharing information. Look how well, to the point, look how well Toyota's doing, right? Look how well Ford's doing. Look how well, even GM's starting to come around. Chrysler, Chrysler's really struggling, from what I can see, I look at the cross-population of the vehicles I see in the shop, and what I see the most of, it's Toyota, it's Ford, it's Honda, it's GM product, Subaru's big, all right? I mean, these are all car companies that have become outside the dealer-friendly. They're, they're sharing information, they're making their, their diagnostic tools available at a reasonable cost from a business perspective. Volkswagen? I... <laughs> You can't get parts. Service information is tough. It requires a very specific scan tool, VAGCOM, uh, which is affordable to a degree, but I've never really gotten a straight answer as to whether that's the factory tool or whether it's a bootleg copy, which I think it is, and everybody's using it. Even the dealer's using it because the factory tool, from what I've heard, doesn't really work. I don't know how true that story is. But, you know, listen, goodbye, B goodbye BW Beetle. It's, it's, it's been fun. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have some memories. Do you remember the VW commercial, my favorite VW commercial? VW is how they float. Remember the ones they would float? They would put it in the river. And <laughs> I, I don't remember that I remember spot. that. I, I think I remember that, unless I don't remember the 70s very well. But I remember the 70s where it would, the, the only thing it does, it was, it was, and it floats too or something like that. There was a picture somewhere of beetles floating down, which I always thought was a good idea. If you opened the door, solved half the problems. We could move the day along. <laughs> well, well, you know, what's funny is... is uh, most and most people don't realize this. The generators we use in broadcast facilities are big generators. They're usually car engines. The bigger ones are truck engines. I had a station once at the studio. We had one with a VW engine on it. it I, if I remember right, it was some three-cylinder thing. It was air-cooled, and we whenever it needed parts, they had to come from Germany, and it was a two-month wait. And half the time was wrong. And there you go. And if you can't get parts for it, because listen, I don't care what it is. I don't care who made it, designed it, engineered it, and brought it here. It's going to break, and it's going to need service, and that's the key. And, uh, you know, I think that was Volkswagen's undoing. I just think the platform is worn out. And I was, I was a little confused by the fact that they're doing it with the Beetle because I thought Volkswagen was the biggest car company in the world. There was that conversation, too. Remember there was a conversation a couple of months, or maybe it was two years ago, that Volkswagen had the highest global sales of all cars manufactured. I, I, I be, And I, Tom, I... I could be wrong, not necessarily here in the States, but worldwide. Volkswagen was, um, I think they're number one. I think they're number one. I'd have to check my sources and, you know, Google it like everybody else would do. But I believe Volkswagen had, you know, I don't know. Maybe, you know what, maybe they couldn't afford something engineering-wise. Maybe, maybe the diesel emissions scandal rocked the company to the point that it created such a financial drain that it hurt them financially and they had to, they had to cut some losses somewhere else. You don't know. It's... It's a lot of people are upset. Didn't they just have a commercial that was that was a, a a blend of them and I think it was Ford and they used the Beetle in the commercial. Yeah, there was. We talked yeah. about it like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, yes, there was something there. So, you know what? We'll never really know. I'm sure it has something to do with emissions. 
It may have something to do with the fact maybe they want to convert that car line, the assembly plant, over to something else. You know what? There's always a reason why they do it. It's always very well calculated and thought out. For all we know, they're getting rid of the beetle, and they're going to reproduce and, and, and bring in a hybrid beetle or, a, or an all-electric beetle if they don't have one already. But you know what? The end of the beetle? Oh, well, see you next. Um, and, you know, and listen, I could talk about other small cars that haven't done well either. Uh, you know, let's let's... Real quick, here, you, people say to me, you know, what, what else doesn't age well? And I was thinking about this. I don't think Beatles age well. I don't think Chevy Cruises age well. And I think I heard somebody leave skid marks. They stopped so fast when I said that. Yeah, I don't think the Chevy Cruise ages well. After that car is five, six years old, I think all the plastic components and all the uh, under-the-hood engine componentry, I think parts are falling off of that too fast. And they, they're not as impressive. A lot of that car is plastic. I don't think, let's see, what else What else do I see that doesn't seem to last? Subarus are typically a buck, a buck 20, and then they start to have their issues. It's always a head gasket. It's always a, it's always a transmission by 150, 160, it seems. And Subarus tend to start to rust, and they get to be a little more difficult in terms of service and maintenance. You know what's a real surprising car that, that does really well? I think the Ford Focus, beginning with like model year 2007, 2008, you do some oil changes to those cars, you do some brakes to those cars, and the rest of it seems to hold up pretty well. It it seems to be a pretty solid car. And you know, we've got we've got more from my my experience. We've got more than a few out there. 160, 180, 200,000 miles on them trucking along. And yeah, they do stupid stuff. We had a customer with an 05 that the rear coil spring perch rusted through the frame assembly but you know i blame that on environment too the car's got 150,000 miles on it it's 15 years old you know that's some of that is clearly environment but the basic drivetrain the engine is still there the trans is still going strong so but um yep end of an era volkswagen beetle down the tubes but that's okay you wouldn't see me laughing about it too much 855-560-9900 ron and the car doctor we're back right after this it's the from he drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Welcome back. Let's get over and talk to Fred in North Carolina. Fred, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you, Ron. You're welcome. Taking my call. You're I'm, welcome. I'm calling because I'm in the situation of having lost my mechanic of 25-plus years, uh, and I need a new mechanic. And let me, let me give you a little background here. Sure. And my, my question really is about finding another mechanic that's qualified. My mechanic only had to work on a 1990 Dodge Caravan and then later a 2000 uh, Lincoln Town car. So these are not these are not new cars, and the technology isn't what it is today. So uh, we did pretty well. I, I liked him, uh, and then he retired, and he sold his business. And I didn't discover this until I actually had a problem. I had a, a the Lincoln had a, a intake manifold leak, um, coolant leak, and so I took it to the shop, and he said, "Oh, I I bought this off of your mechanic," and uh, so I I was kind of in desperate, so I, I let him work on it, and he fixed it. Uh, he had to use a aftermarket part. But then I developed later, not related to this, he, I developed a little miss. 
and um, I began to learn a little bit about what causes that and how you might diagnose it. And so I went back to him and said, you know, uh, could you tell me, you know, which cylinder is it or is it uh, uh, more than one cylinder that it's missing on? And he just kind of scratched his head and, and I said, well, could you, you know, put a scan tool on this thing and maybe you can tell me the answer and maybe we can fix this. And he, he, he hemmed and hauled and said his scan tool wouldn't work on it. Well, he, he, it, I'm trying to make a, this long story short. Sorry about that. That's Ron, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. He, 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 never, he never could give me, he could never tell me if, if there was a cylinder missing or which cylinder was missing. He insisted it was probably a fuel pump, so I let him put a fuel pump on. And I, but I said, well, is it going to work when you fix this, when you do this? And he said, yes. If not, you don't have to pay me. And so that was the condition in which he changed the fuel pump. Of course, it didn't fix the problem, and he never gave me the misfire code. So anyway, the point is I finally went out and got myself a scanner of some sort. It gave me live stream data. It gave me fault codes. It gave me um, uh, mode 6. And I said, oh, it's cylinder 4. So I swapped the, the, uh, swapped the coils on that, and sure enough, the, the coil... Move, the the misfire moved to the cylinder I swapped the coil on. So I thought, well, I know it's the coil. Look at, so, look at, look at you uh, fixing cars. Good yeah, job. Good yeah. job. Yeah. So, so I, 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 I replaced it with a, 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 a Motocraft coil, and voila, the system goes away. My point being, I don't think I can do this forever, <laughs> and I know there's <laughs> things I can't diagnose. Right. So I need a good mechanic, and I, I have a... I don't know how to find that person. I do know that there are such things as the ASE certified mechanics. And I was my question to you, Ron, is would I be doing myself a favor by limiting my search for a new mechanic to an ASE certified mechanic? Knowing that there's plenty of other mechanics out there that are probably just as good, but I just don't know how to find them. You know, 40 years ago, 35 years ago, all right, when I started taking ASCs, I used to think that it was the be-all and end-all. And don't get me wrong, I still have a lot of respect for ASE certs. I still think there's some value there. I still have all my ASE certs. I'm, technically, I'm an, I'm an ASE master. But I also see a lot of guys taking tests that, I don't know, they pass the test and I wouldn't let them fix a bicycle. And then I see a lot of guys that don't take the text, tests that really impress me, that are smarter than I, that are better than I, that, you know, they they just have more mechanical intuitiveness in their head. You can see it. I don't think ASC is, is the final barometer. It's a good starting okay. point. I think trying to find the mechanic is a procedural one. I said this to someone the other day. We were talking about, you know, what do you look for in a mechanic and how do you find a good mechanic? And I said, I think it's the simple things. You know, people call the shop. True stories. People call the shop. I had a fellow call within the last two weeks. And he wants me to work on, never seen this vehicle before, he wants me to work on this nine-year-old Ford Expedition with 185,000 miles on it that he already pulled the codes. He already ordered the parts. It's got cam timing actuator faults, and it's burning oil, and he just wants me to install his parts. And I said, no. And he was like, why? And I said, well, because, you know, this is a bad first date. I said, you're not going to know how good I am. 
based on whether or not this this succeeds, because I don't know what the history of this vehicle is. I don't know who's done all the oil changes. I don't know what sort of service it's had. It's, it sounds like the engine's coming to the end of its life. You know, how much sludge is in the actuators? How many problems elsewhere are, are lying within this engine that it's just a ticking time bomb? I said, because then the other side of the conversation was, you know, how much will this cost him? And, you know, if, if how much is it going to cost is, is, is the second or third thing out of your, out of, in your thought process? Yeah, you're looking at it wrong. It's got to be procedural. Now, now, we had someone come in the other day, new. Can I do an oil change? I did the oil change. And it's procedural. We, we follow the same procedure. It's, it's write it up, sign them up, have a seat, cup of coffee, give them the newspaper, take it around the block, three rights, put it up in the air, listen for noises, look for noises, quick bulb check, wiggle the front end, drain the oil, drain the filter, set the tire pressure, sticker, under the hood, fluid top, anything you can get your hands on, out the door, bill them, and go. Procedurally, we did it perfect. He said, wow, this is really impressive. He goes, he goes, I, I guess I could trust you guys to do the hard stuff, too, or the, or the more involved stuff. And, and, he, and to me, that made sense. It was a procedural thing. He saw the operation of the shop. He saw, he saw our effectiveness of what we do. And it sounds like your experience with this guy, you know, he didn't see it. He, he, either he didn't diagnose it or he chose not to. And, and, and now you're looking for, because you haven't said to me about price, you're looking for procedure. And, exactly right. And, and, you know, for you to find procedure, you got to give them something simple. If they can't get an oil change right, they're not going to get the hard stuff right. All right? To me, the oil change is not about how cheap. It's about how efficient. It's about how correct. Is it? Is it the, I don't know if you heard last week's show, Fred. My daughter took her car. She's in Pittsburgh. She takes her escape into the, the Ford dealer in Pittsburgh and the woman's arguing with her about why she's putting synthetic oil in the car. I talked about this last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember and, that. And, and I said, Rachel, just, just tell her to put synthetic oil in it and tell her to knock it off. And the woman's arguing with her. It's too expensive. It's not your money. Put the oil in the car. What are we doing? You know, it uh, makes me wonder, could I ever, if I ever took the car in and I told her to take it in and it needs brakes, what would it come out like? I, you know, Fred, stay right where you are. I want to hold you over. I want to finish this conversation. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. 855-560-9900. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Shut up and start talking. That would be me. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor. We're on the phone with Fred in North Carolina. Fred's trying to find a new mechanic. Fred, you're still there, sir. Yep. So, you. you know, all that being said, it's procedure, all right? And and I always think of auto repair as it's it's like dating, right? Remember dating? We'd go out on a date and, you know, you'd you'd you oh, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd work your way past coffee and up to the movies and then dinner and so on and then you finally met the relatives. So, you know, the, the date you went out on where the girl took you home to meet her parents right away, that was probably a bad first date, right? It just it just kind of didn't work out right. You know, you're staring at the father looking down at you going, hmm. So, you know, it's it's you got to have good first dates with mechanics. you got to start with oil changes. You've got to start with procedure. Uh, yeah, it's easy. Walk in, look at the shop. You know, how neat or clean is it? How much information do they have on hand? And don't feel bad about telling them what you're trying to do. Listen, interview them. People interview me all the time. It's really a riot. People come in, are you any good at fixing cars? Well, you know, 
Uh, we have fun one of my it. first questions. One of my first questions would be, well, tell me about your scan tool. Right. Or better yet, tell me about your scan tools. You know, I, I want to go to the guy that's got more than yeah. one. And, you know, if the guy says, yeah. well, I've, I've only got one and it's a Brand X, ask him, does he really think he can fix every car with one scan tool? Because I'm, I'm here right now to tell you, no, you can't. I, you know, it's, it's, and that's what you're looking for. And, and your issue is going to be, you've got older cars. You've got what, a 2000 Lincoln and a, yeah. and a 2000, did you say a, a 2009 Dodge or a 1990 Dodge? 2000, no, it was 2009 Dodge Caravan. Right. Uh, only 47,000 miles. Right. But the but, Lincoln has 210,000. Right. But your newest car is still 10 years old. So right, right. Right, he's got to be equipped to work on older technology, and does he have that ability? And it's you know it's not always an assumption now. If 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 he's the neighborhood kid that just got out of Lincoln Tech and he's just starting up, maybe his business model is seven years and newer. And there are guys out there that are doing that that are just working on new cars. There are guys out there that are working on ten years and older. So you know it's the day and age of interviewing mechanics and asking them what will they work on and what are they comfortable with and what have they got experience with. All very valid points. All very valid questions. And if anybody takes offense, next. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, you know it's it's don't be bashful. It's there there's there's no reason because you know that's the kind of guy when somebody comes in and asks me those questions, that's the kind of guy I know that's not looking. You know, he's not so worried about price. I mean, price comes into this somewhere in the relationship, right? The date can't be astronomical every time you come in. Otherwise, it, we can't afford the but, date anymore. But but, but somewhere along... priceless. Yeah, I mean, somewhere along the way, it's you're looking for the guy that, you know, when he walks out and he, and he you know, he sees the TPMS light on and, he, you know, the, he hears the tire going flat, but you're really in there for an oil change. You know, you're in there because the brake light bulb is out. He kind of puts two and two together and says, let's fix this, too. You know, um, you're kind of looking for the guy that when the car goes in, oh, I'm trying to think of an example. Here, the car goes in for a 60,000-mile service, and maybe it's all the fluids, all the filters, except for an oil change. And he still checks the oil level, even if it's not his oil change. Because he knows that servicing the car means looking at all the fluids, even the ones he's not changing. That's the guy that gets it. He's thinking. He's got something between his ears besides a place to put his hat. Make sense? Okay. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. I mean, that's, listen, and you know, you'll know. You'll know. Listen, I used to, you know, I used to go into the deal about you when you walk in the shop, you want to make sure your feet don't stick to the floor and the guy's got to have enough equipment to track man space flight like NASA. I mean, that's a, that's a given now. I mean, we need that. All right. And, you know, ask the guy what he doesn't work on. If you find a general independent mechanic that's working with one scan tool and he says he can work on every car, including BMWs, Mercedes, Audis, and Volkswagens, I want to meet him. I think he's nuts because the, the amount of specialty tooling involved to work on those four car lines will bankrupt the average shop. And, you know, it's, it's, it's where's the bread and butter sliced, and that's what we're looking for, all right? So, fire away. Let me know what you Again, find. Thank you, Ron. All right? All right. You take good care, Fred. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, hard question, right? It's, it's, it's like dating, man. It really is. You know what? And it's becoming a game and a case of not everybody is meant to work on every car. It just can't be. The technology is not there. And it's, it's, it, just, it just takes a very careful thought process today to fix cars. 
and it's getting, you know, the new sign in the shop, everything will take longer than you think, and I have no answer as to why. And, and that's really the truth. It's yeah. just... And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had this conversation. You've been very busy lately. You've been slammed. So I don't want to bother you. There's a brand new place that changes oils and specializes tires in, in my town. I brought the car there, and I said, let me see what the guy's going to do. Never asked price. He immediately came out. He said, you got to see this, because Ron Ananian puts RTV around the oil change plug. And he goes, this is probably stripped. And I went, no, it's not. Just I said, my mechanic does that. Just don't so want he, any leaks. So he took it out, and he took a leak, and he went, oh. He's I've never seen, this is a good idea. So we started talking. And next thing you know, I started to ask because the car needs tires. And, you know, he gave me a price, and you and I talked, and you've been slammed. And, and of course, this morning I go to come out, and the behind-the-scene drama, folks, is um, I had a yeah. bolt through my yeah, tire. We almost and, didn't do a show today. Well, we would have done a show. We just wasn't sure what part of the New York Thruway we were going to be on when we did yeah, it. Well, I, call, I called Ron. It was like, uh, I'm you on my way to get you. pick me up, or I don't know what. It, yeah, let me see if I can get this tire off the car. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's Anyway, I just ordered the the tires guys and I have them Monday. I mean, I'm giving him the business. Right. It's you know. It's 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 not a hard thing to do. It's it's a very traumatic thing finding a mechanic today. I get that, but there's ways to go about it. By the way, the RTV thing, if anybody's wondering, it's it's not that we doubt our ability or the vehicle's ability. Put a little smear of RTV, you don't have to tighten the drain plug as much and you're you're it's easier on the threads. You don't have to crank on it. Because a lot of the threads today are steel drain plugs with aluminum pans and it beats the heck out of the aluminum uh, beats the heck out of the aluminum pans. Let's pull over and take a pause for the cause. When we come back, we'll go right to Michael in Illinois, ninety six Chevy, fifteen hundred, waiting there very patiently. Hang in there, Michael. We'll be right back to you. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. here at 855-560-9900. By the way, if you're looking for more information about this radio show, I don't know why you would, but okay, I get it. Cardoctorshow.com. Uh, you can get out there. That's uh, some of the basics. And we do try to interact with you as much as I have time for during the course of the week out on the Facebook page, Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. But uh, we are all over the place. I have to caution everybody, too. You know, you can ask some questions on the Facebook page, but a lot of times I'll suggest, and I'd like, you know, can we do this up here on air? And I'll, I'll, I've I posted that a couple of times this week because I want everybody to get the benefit of, 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 of the answer to the question. And I think doing it on air is obviously the bigger platform than all of them. And, uh, you know, everybody benefits from it because the idea here is I'm just trying to give you what's in my head to, uh, you know, educate everybody. And, you know, listen, I learn from you, too, so it's a good exchange all the time. Let's get over to Michael in Illinois, 96 Chevy K1500 and a crank no start. Michael, welcome back to the car, doctor, sir. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I um. I called the week before last. Um, you told me to check the spark. Uh, just like you said, it wasn't getting any spark. So I went through. I got it running. It's running now. Um, but the camera tart is reading at 14 degrees positive. Right. Um, so I, I set it back to top dead center, um, reinstalled the distributor, everything. Still the same result. Um, and then I tried to jump the distributor ahead of two to kind of balance that out um but it won't seat down all the way so i can't move the distributor anymore because it's hitting up on the uh, on the intake right okay. there so tell me what initially and you're on the right track because cam retard i don't know what gm was thinking 95 96 97 i think this is like we want to make it well we're not going to do ignition timing on any cars anymore we're going to make up cam retard which is the amount of offset the distributor possesses in relation to the where the rotor contacts the, the firing point i i'm not sure why they did that 25 years ago it's just somebody had an idea that didn't seem to work what what, what eventually or what initially caused this this was this became a crank no start it died one day 
Yeah, um, I believe what the uh, what the issue was the the distributor went bad, and then I bought a a new all in one. I had the cap and rotor on it. I put that in. It started once, and then wouldn't start back up. Um, so I ended up putting the cap and rotor from my old one back on it because I it had only been on there a couple months. I hadn't put very many miles on it, and it cranked right up. So I think the new distributor that I bought just had a defective cap or rotor because it's it's running fine now. Okay. Um, well, it's it's running fine now, but you can't you can't get cam retard in because cam retard zero plus plus or minus two. Yeah, and you're I can't get any closer than fourteen. Right, you're following procedure. You're disconnecting and and going through the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, when it went into the crank nose start initially, before you put the distributor in it, um, I'm trying to think of how to ask this question. It, it, it started on Monday. You went out Tuesday morning, turned the key. It wouldn't fire. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and you know it had a bad distributor. Now you're you're using and you're using a replacement distributor, or you rebuilt the one you had. I used a replacement. Okay. Is the rotor on? You realize that the rotor can go on one of two ways on that distributor, right? Yes, I uh, I put it on wrong initially, and I did some more research and figured out the right way to do okay. it. Okay, so we, we're past that. I mean, the only experience I've seen where cam retard won't come in, it's indexing inside the distributor. It's something about the way the distributor is assembled. Do you still have the old oh, one, really? or did you, did you turn it in? No, I still have it. Okay. Um, can we look at the old one and compare that? What makes what 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 stopped working on the old one? It just it just stopped making spark. I believe so. It's the um, I don't know what it's called. I guess the I'm gonna call it contact. I don't know what to call it on the, the very top. The metal piece um, was all kinds of corroded. Um, for the, and the new for, one that I had was bright and shiny, and I was just kind of replacing everything that had anything to do with spark, and that was that was next on the list. Are 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 you referencing the center tab of the rotor was corroded? Uh, no, on the uh, well that too, but on the distributor itself, the little uh, the metal piece that comes up straight in the middle of it. The metal. I don't know what it's. Yeah, I'm not. I'm it. not sure what you're referencing either. Usually, when those get corrosion inside the distributor cap like that, was the cap all corroded too? Mm-hmm. When yeah, when, when they get corroded, look at the bottom of the distributor. Do you see that little screen? There's a little vent screen down there. If you look, at, if, if you look at the bottom of the distributor, there's a little screen. And that's usually clogged. And sometimes it's as simple as a spider web. And it just won't let it won't let fresh air in and out with without fresh air, moisture builds up and then we get a oh, it's like there's like some arc welding going on inside there. They call it a corona effect, if I remember right. I'm talking about old technology here. That it it and if if you clean that screen and just clean up the components, you can reuse that. Because the other side of this is, can you get the distributor indexed down? You know, you might be fighting the oil pump shaft in the bottom of the block in relation to where the shaft has to sit for the distributor gear to drop down in and be in line for cam retard. Does that make any sense for you, Michael? Yeah, like, I think so. So you're saying the reason it won't 
seat properly if I try to jump at a tooth is because it won't mess with the with right. the oil pump. Right. Are you following? Okay. Are you following a procedure? You know the one where they talk about lining up the white dot on the base of the distributor shaft. Yeah, I lined. Yeah, I lined everything up um, like I found in the manual. Is okay. what I'm going off of. All right, because there's two separate procedures. There's one if the distributor's been removed, and there's one if the distributor has not been removed. Okay. Yeah, right. I followed the one where I had already removed it because I didn't. Okay. I I, sh I should have looked at it before I took it out, but yeah, I, it's okay. I Listen, that's, this, is, out, this, so. this is this is how we learn, brother. Um, I would yeah. I would very carefully take the two distributors and lay them side by side. You're missing something. There's something indexed. There's something different. If this is an aftermarket distributor from any one of the rebuilders out there, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust it to save my life. I would want to verify everything and match it up to the old one. Okay. All right. And like I said, you know, there's not much that goes wrong with those the older distributors. Once in a while, you'd get a bad pickup coil. All right. Once in a while, okay. usually, usually it was ignition module. Ignition module was still inside that distributor, and the rest of that was, or was the ignition module mounted out by the coil in '96? Uh, it's it's separate. It's yeah. separate. Yeah. Okay. So there's nothing else. There's nothing else inside that distributor. The pickup coils inside that distributor, right? Uh, yes, it yeah. is. Okay. So, you know what? You can do an AC voltage output test on that pickup coil. Just spin it. What sort of AC voltage signal do you generate off of it? Just hook up an AC voltmeter to the two leads, and whatever you see on the new one, you should see at least that on the old one. I forget the exact spec. I'd have to go back and look. I'm thinking 2 volts AC, 4 volts AC. It's not a lot to, on a spin test. You could hook up a drill to it and spin the distributor and see if the pickup coil puts out. Heck, for that matter, I'd feel more comfortable putting, trying to find an original Delco or GM pickup coil for that, putting that in that old distributor, making sure everything's indexed properly. Just watch when you take it out, and I think it can only go in one way, the roll pin where, where it lines up to the shaft at the base. But I would feel more comfortable doing that than using something in the aftermarket because, you know, trying to line that up, I've, I've seen all kinds of different combinations and uh, making yourself crazy. But step one. Two distributors, bring the bring the engine around to top dead on number one, so at least you have some kind of reference. If you have any doubt and you want to baseline it, pull the valve cover on the driver's side, because that'll be cylinder one. This is a 5.7R motor, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, pull the valve cover, make sure, you know, watch watch it come around, intake compression, power exhaust, and you'll see that you'll see the uh, um, you'll see the two valves close, and then from there, match the two distributors up side by side, index them, and then call me back next week. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming right back. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor. You know, uh, Tom Ray, I'm happy to report I just came out of surgery, and um, your tire will survive. It has enough air pressure in it, and uh, I thought it very appropriate. We're running out there at brakes trying to fix tires in the studio garage and uh, just to make sure that you can make it home after today's show oh boy uh, oh boy but uh, i will tell you this you do need a tire brother um tom's got a big giant bolt sticking out shame on you look at look what you do to keep america's car show rolling it is kind of ap ap apropos i guess is that the word you know hey where'd you go i was on my way to the car doctor man we had to get the show on the air and look exactly what happened like holy cow can you imagine uh thanks everybody for calling i appreciate it this hour and uh, more car doctor to come come back come back the next hour and uh, find out will tom's tire make it will tom make it home will i make it will i get through the next hour will lucy the wonder dog ever finally say anything here in studio i'm ron and Annie and the car doctor good mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless